0: Coming up on HIGMT, more news regarding the refreshed Model S Plaid, including low-speed issues with the steering yoke, Gigafactory Shanghai keeps getting larger, and a Model Y makes an unannounced appearance at Gigafactory Texas. Welcome to How I Got My Tesla, the podcast of indeterminate length for Saturday, June 19th, 2021, episode 47 in Ottawa, Ontario. I'm Matt Wilson. Let's start off with a few Tesla things you should know. With the release of the refreshed Model S Plaid last week, we're finally getting a chance to see Tesla's new infotainment screen complete with new user interface. Gone is a portrait style of display from the previous version of the Model S. In its place is a horizontal display and an additional display over the steering yoke. There's lots of information in the article from electric.co, including a video of the main infotainment screen, driver screen, and how the new steering yoke works while driving. The main infotainment screen appears to be very responsible, very configurable, and has a lot of information available to the driver, including car configuration settings tied to the driver. Now, I can see why Tesla has such a huge screen. There's so much information, and many of the subsystems are software-driven, which means less mechanical switches and dials are needed. The driver's screen above the steering yoke is you now easily seen. Now that Tesla has removed the top portion of a conventional steering wheel, the steering yoke will definitely take some time to get used to. The usual hand-over-hand method of turning left or right is now made a little bit more awkward when the driver is instinctively grabbing dead air. So if you're wondering what it's like to drive the Refresh Model S from an instrumentation perspective, take a peek at the article in the show notes below. And while we're mentioning the new steering yoke, Motortrend.com spent over a week behind the non-wheel and provided us their own thoughts on Tesla's take on what a steering wheel should be. Aside from the overall shape, there are a bunch of capacitive buttons on either side of the airbag. These buttons replace features that would normally be used with traditional stocks mounted on the style- steering column. On the left side, you'll see buttons for your turn signal and headlight functions, and on the right side, you'll find buttons for your windshield wiper's horn and push-to-talk features for the car's infotainment system. Scroll wheels also flank either side of the airbag, but these scroll wheels are common amongst Tesla vehicles, so there's really nothing new there. And as for the overall function of the steering yoke, well, it's sort of hit and miss. While great at highway speeds, there's an issue at slower speeds or driving around town and the issue has to do with the high 14 to 1 steering ratio making the hand over hand steering maneuvers a real chore. You really need to know where the steering yoke is at all times even when you are not looking directly forward, say during a parallel parking or a three point turn. So maybe you'll be more accustomed to the steering yoke over time but after a week spent Motor Trend was still having issues when driving around town. And it doesn't look like Tesla will be able to improve the steering yoke functionality at low speeds anytime soon. Elon Musk mentioned that a complex progressive steering arrangement or steer-by-wire option would still be a few years away. There's no word yet on Tesla possibly switching out the steering yoke for a traditional round wheel, at least not yet. An underreported change for the Refresh Model S is a replacement of the 12-volt lead-acid battery with a 12-volt lithium-ion battery pack. The lead-acid battery was always an issue with drivers, some of which had to replace their battery up to three times a year at a cost of $300 per replacement. The problem with the normal lead-acid battery was poor performance from the high current drain from many of Tesla's non-propulsion systems. The news of the lithium-ion battery pack was specifically designed to handle the load brought on by everything not tied to the vehicle propulsion, including, but not limited to, lighting, autopilot, full self-driving, infotainment screens, and heating, ventilation, and air conditioning systems. Now, I for one am hoping that the new 12-volt lithium-ion battery pack is gonna be released to the entire Tesla fleet, including the Model 3 and the Model Y. One of the cooler things Elon talked about last week during delivery day was a carbon wrap rotor now found on the refreshed Model S. By having the rotor wrapped in a carbon sleeve, stronger magnetic fields are now created and maintaining a high tolerance between the rotor and stator mean a higher RPM is now achieved. This feat of engineering did not come easily. The technology needed to, was developed in-house by Tesla Automation in Germany. Elon did mention that the upcoming roaster will incorporate the same rotor design as the Refresh Model S, but not confirm that the Refresh Model X will have the same design treatment. Now, I suspect that the Refresh Model X will have the same propulsion design features as the Model S and Roadster. It only makes sense from a parts inventory and performance perspective. Keen-eyed watchers on Tesla's online configurator noted a slight dip in the expected range for both the Model S Plaid and long-range versions. The Model S Plaid now has an EPA-estimated 390-mile range, while the long-range versions, which happens to be around $50,000 cheaper, has an EPA-estimated range of 405 miles. Elon mentioned last week they did not really see a need for an electric vehicle with more than 400 miles of range. Drivers usually have to stop before the 400-mile limit is met, whether to use the washroom or to get something to eat. These stopping opportunities can coincide with charging opportunities along the route. As Tesla adds more charging capacity with their supercharging network, the distances between charging stations will naturally decrease, making the requirement for ranges over 400 miles a little bit redundant. During the Refresh Model S delivery event last week, Elon did mention that the typical 25% hit in range brought on by cold weather was approved upon with a newly designed thermal system now incorporated in the Model S. Non-public superchargers do exist, and they primarily exist in locations that, by definition, are not accessible to the general public. Goodyear has one of these installations at the Proving Grounds in Texas, which is a 7,200-acre facility that is used to test Goodyear tires across a number of different surfaces, across a number of different lengths of tests. InsideEVs.com has a short video where Kyle Connor was granted access to the charging area, and he discusses what it took to have Tesla drop off a supercharging station on a pallet, and how Goodyear uses the charging system all throughout the day. The installation of the palleted supercharger is very similar to the prefabricated superchargers that we are starting to see installed where all of the required hardware comes delivered on site on a precast concrete base estimated delivery times for a model y long range are being pushed to september rather than the usual six to eight week delay this push to september has made me wondering if all the model y's being produced in the third quarter of 2021 have been accounted for and that tesla does not have the current capacity to increase production in Canada, the Model Y long range has the same September estimated delivery schedule, while the performance version can actually be obtained anywhere between 1 to 10 weeks. I can see why Gigafactory Texas needs to be completed as quickly as possible. It definitely looks like Tesla is selling just about every Model Y that they can produce, even with the recent price increases. The made-in-China Model Y is slated to start European deliveries in the third quarter of 2021, according to an article from the Driven.io. Twitter user Morton Grove, captain of all Tesla ships, has a very credible source that stated that Tesla would be delaying the long-range Model 3s and would instead be pushing out Model Ys. Also, the refreshed Model S and X would reach Europe in the last quarter of 2021, which is about the same time that Gigafactory Berlin will start producing Model Ys, providing that Tesla receives the required permits to start full-scale production. Clocking in at over 9 million square feet in size, and that's more than twice the size of Gigafactory Texas, Gigafactory Shanghai seems to be constantly expanding. And despite drone flights no longer being permitted at Gigafactory Shanghai, YouTuber Jason Yang was recently able to get some amazing drone footage from the sprawling complex that is still under construction. Most of the recent construction is connected to the upcoming production line for the Model C, which is Tesla's $25,000 compact hatchback, which should be announced towards the end of this year. Also seen in the TorqueNews.com article, are Model Ys being driven around a test track. So if you want to see just how big a Gigafactory can get, you should definitely check out the article in the show notes below. Every once in a while, drone operators spot something that just makes me want to scratch my head. Case in point, Joe Tegmaier's June 14th video where he was able to spot an unfinished Model Y body that happened to be placed near an exterior wall that had yet to be completed. This reminds me of the time when Tesla parked a Cybertruck inside Gigafactory for no apparent reason. No word yet if the Model Y was being produced in Texas or was shipped in from Fremont for production line testing. It's definitely weird, but it's nice to see that Tesla's not taking themselves too seriously in Texas. Anyone wanting to see the upcoming 4680 battery cell production area will look like in Germany can check out the Tesserati.com article in the show notes below. Tesla recently applied for the required permits to start construction of the world's largest battery production facility. As part of the application process, Twitter user Tobias Lin was able to grab some of the plans of the production facility. The facility definitely has an odd shape that we have seen elsewhere. Gigafactory Texas has the same area dedicated for 4680 battery cell production in the northeast corner of the Megapad area. So maybe this design will actually be copied in Texas? And while we're talking about Gigafactory Texas, we might as well take a spin by and see what has transpired over the last week. And thanks again to Joe Tegmeyer and Jeff Roberts for their daily drone videos. Precast water storage chambers are now installed and backfilled in the middle of the Gigafactory just below the ground level floor slab. Structural steel construction is proceeding in the southwest corner of the Megapad area. And internal Model Y assembly line testing is currently underway, which would give a reason for the appearance of the Model Y body this past week. There's lots of activity inside the Gigafactory with more underground infrastructure being put in place, floor slabs being poured, and damp proofing of the entire roof area is still ongoing for the last few months. Precast concrete columns and beams and roof panels are being installed in the area to the north of the casting plant, and general leveling of the area is continuing at the proposed battery cathode and lithium hydroxide processing facility. Exterior wall cladding made up of precast concrete wall panels and window modules are proceeding on all sides of the Gigafactory. Well, that should pretty much do it for episode 47. I was away from work this past week. I took a week vacation. Uh, so much deserved time off from work. Um, and I found myself with one of the days off, uh, I was able to swing by the showroom in Ottawa just to see what has been going on over the last two months since the last time I was there. And it was kind of nice to see that uh, you know the parking lot was basically full of Model 3s and Model Ys that are being prepared for delivery, which is... In great contrast to what I saw previous, uh, like next door, I think there's a Mazda dealership and, you know, that whole parking lot was just full of uh, vehicles not really going anywhere. I guess they were just waiting to be sold. So it's kind of neat to see how Tesla was able to, you know, keep uh, the, the parking lot on a rotation basis of just, cars coming in and cars coming out with new delivery so it's kind of cool to see and uh, I was actually surprised to see that they were uh, doing some interior fit up of the old dealership as well I think they removed a whole bunch of old rooms that were dedicated to finance managers and sales managers you know staff that is not actually needed at all at, uh, at a Tesla dealership So um, yeah, they were bringing in some material. So uh, probably in the next few months, we'll start to see uh, vehicles actually inside the dealership so that people can, you know, open up the doors and kind of poke around and see what's going on. So it's kind of neat to see that, you know, they were doing some interior fit up of the old Nissan dealership that was there previously. And I posted a whole bunch of pictures onto Instagram of the, uh, I guess, the parking lots that were full of Model 3s and Model Ys, including, you know, some of the construction that was going on inside the dealership. So definitely check out my Instagram if you want to see some of the things that I saw this past week. And if you're looking to purchase a new Tesla, you want 1,000 free supercharging miles, you can feel free to use my referral program link in the show notes below, or you can head on over to ts.la slash Matthew 40942. Currently, the only person to use my referral program link is Chatty. So thanks again, Chatty, for that. Uh, hashtag for this episode, let's try hashtag visiting model Y. And the overall hashtag for this podcast is hashtag HIGMT. And if you have any feedback for me, you can throw me an email at howigotmytesla at gmail.com. And I need to shout out my patrons who support me at the V3 supercharging level. So thanks again to my brother, Nick, for your continued support. As always, you can watch my progress towards a Tesla of some sort by visiting howigotmytesla.com and you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram by simply searching for How I Got My Tesla. So thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by Matt Wilson and hosted by Squarespace. Music for this episode is Cascade by Cubby. Hey, you're still here? You must love How I Got My Tesla. If you like the content so much, why don't you help support the show and become a Patreon? Get access to all my Patreon content and support the show you love when you go to howigotmytesla.com Patreon.